Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from a secret underground bunker, deep behind enemy lines, one of the last few voices of reason is on. This is the A.J. Bruno Show. On now. Hello again. It's the A.J. Bruno Show. We're back for an all-new episode. Should be lots of fun, uh, as usual, as promised. So be sure to stay tuned in if you want to participate, uh, comment on anything. Uh, the number is 347 All right, uh, we'll start talking about this whole North Korea uh, ordeal in a minute. Uh, we'll also have uh, we'll also have some good sound clips, uh, as promised. We will have um, a new Barack Obama clip, Liberal Wisdom Time Out, uh, Chuck Schumer, and also a little uh, fetus and butthead thing I put together. Uh, so that should be funny. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Should be good. Should be good. All right, we have a good show tonight. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly. I know the time's confusing with whatever. Let me just say this real quick, then we'll get down to the business of the day I'll have to talk about. I might be joining a uh, network on here, uh, Patriot's Heart Network. Uh, if that's the case, I'll be having a Wednesday night show, uh, which would be 8 to 10. I'll probably be scrapping the rest of the week shows, but I'll still be on Sunday 5 to 7. going to keep that spot. Um, so keep listening to me then, and you should be able to hear me on Wednesday nights as well, too. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully it works out. It's, uh, it's been fun so far. Let's keep it, on, keep it going. Okay, all right, let's talk about this North Korea thing first. <clears throat> now, does anyone, regardless of your political philosophy, regardless of how you feel about these sorts of things or international issues, does anybody really think that this nutjob, Kim Jong-il, and his regime, which is certainly the most evil, despicable government in the entire world, do they really trust this guy? I mean, really, Democrats and Republicans back and forth have negotiated with him for, what, 16 years now? Okay, the guy is insane. You cannot negotiate with somebody who is insane. What is so hard to understand about that? If someone is a maniac and is intent on developing nuclear weapons or uh, attaching nuclear weapons to these uh, long-range ICBMs, which looks like what they're doing now, you cannot conceivably reason with someone like that. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? And this is one thing I, you know, love Dudley, but his administration took, he might have been pressured to do it, but took North Korea off the sponsors of terrorists. And, of course, President Bush kept us safe, so clearly whatever policies we had worked then. And, you know, we're bogged down in the Middle East and whatnot, so I understand that. It would be nice if other people could pick up the slack and, and deal with North Korea, God forbid, because only a handful of countries actually have the courage to stand up for liberty and freedom against, against madmen like this. But now we have a completely irresponsible administration, which will not keep us safe. 
whose policies do nothing but to keep this country more vulnerable and weak to our enemies. We're like a wounded deer. You know? We're ripe for the picking. They can take us out whenever they want now because we're left vulnerable. It's not just these Islamic jihadists we have to worry about. We have to worry about nuts like that. You know, saying that saying that it's their uh, sovereign right to uh, have these weapons or to launch a satellite into space, which is the same thing anyway. And, you know, acting like they're the good guys and that any, you know, even the slightest condemnation of this would be met with uh, a great response, which is pretty much a threat, you know, threatening a declaration of war, the end of the, end of the Korean truce, um, if anything is done about this. I remember a few years ago, this lunatic shot shot a missile over the Sea of Japan, and they actually think the trajectory of it was heading towards Hawaii. What if it was this target? What if it was just a mistake? And you just say, oh, well, we were just testing it. That's all. You cannot let these threats gather. And at this point, what other options? Yeah, you know, I could say... I, I say this, and of course I'll be branded by leftists as a, and I am branded by leftists as, you know, an extremist, a hardliner. You know, you can't solve your problems doing that. Well, okay. This guy has violated how many UN resolutions? This guy has gone against how many agreements from the six-party talks? And, you know, what about that landmark, uh, agreement we had a few years ago with him, that he was supposed to dismantle all his nuclear programs, and uh, they even dramatically blew up one of their plants, and, you know, in exchange for aid, they'll join the international community, it'll all be wonderful and grand, and, and things will be just dandy. That might be the liberal ideal of what it is, but it's not the realistic ideal, okay? It's this Chamberlain late 30s mindset that these people have, that we can just negotiate the madmen. And now it's even more dangerous. It's even more dangerous. Because we're not just, it's not just a, a threat of war that we face then, but this is a, a threat of weapons of mass destruction. And this irresponsibility could lead to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying. This isn't even just military personnel. Now we're talking about massive civilian casualties from these weapons. We can't allow that. We can't. Some sort of military action is going to have to be taken. There's no other option at this point. Unless somehow there's a coup and some reasonable government takes power, which I'm sure the people there would love also, because imagine we can't possibly, living in a, in a free Western nation, or in fact, most of the world for that matter, possibly comprehend the pure terror and fear that the North Koreans must, must feel under this thing. I mean, it is the, probably the most purely authoritarian tyrannical state in the history of the world. It's, it's just ridiculous. I love how all these communist states always call themselves the uh, People's Republic of this or that. Like, okay, it's not a republic. The people aren't running anything. Like in China, you have the Chinese Politburo and the General Secretary uh, 
running everything. And you got Kim Jong-il running the entire show in North Korea. Nothing Republican about that. Nothing Democratic about that. At all. At all. You know? I mean, does anyone... Can anyone possibly defend the position? And, of course, we know some of our friends on the left will do it because they're pacifists and, you know, war is bad and we can't have war. We're going to get rid of it. Well, yes, it would be a wonderful world and it would be just amazing if we didn't have war. Unfortunately, that's not the way it is. We live in the real world, not the liberal fantasy land world. Okay. While that world might exist when you're sitting down watching an episode of The West Wing for 45 minutes, uh, that's really the only time it works. And even there, uh, you have the president, uh, even though he's a liberal, whenever there's some sort of problem to face, some sort of threat from some rogue regime, you know, he's the first one to bomb them or send troops in or whatever. But I, I find that a little bit amusing. Uh, <laughs> considering in real life, in real life, he's leftists or nothing but those uh, and you know they say that like Obama and his administration I mean sorry President Hussein oh how dare I say that oh, shame on it okay anyway uh, like his administration says you know he's always like you know, oh no option he's off the table uh, we'll never rule out uh, military uh, action well maybe to the public he might say that but he's never going to do anything like that because he faces his decisions Purely on ideology. It's all about political liberalism, all about pushing this radical agenda in every aspect, even when it comes to our country's security. America's security is not immune to political agenda with these people. Should be. That would make sense, wouldn't it? But it's not. Because it's about, first and foremost, pushing their radical views. And if it leaves America vulnerable, that's fine. And, you know, if there's some terrorist attack on our soil, then certainly, certainly it won't be, it won't be our, our glorious leader's fault. It'll be President Bush's fault. It'll be his administration's fault, you know, for their, their reckless policies that isolated us and made our allies abandon us and, all the torture and all the horrible things that happened during the Bush years. And fortunately, we, we have this benevolent, brilliant leader now who is going to lead us to the promised land. Aren't we lucky? Aren't we so lucky? No. <laughs> I think not. I think not. Instead of leading us to this promised land, you know, this return to Camelot, Instead of that, which is what they, uh, the leftists would love to describe it as, what they're doing instead is weakening America to the point where we're going to be right to the picking to any enemy that wants that wants to do it. Yeah, doesn't matter if it's Islamic jihadists, some theocratic state that harbors and supports them in the Middle East, or if it's a communist dictatorship with nuclear weapons ambition like North Korea. We face a lot of threats in this world, and we've got to be vigilant on all of them. Because if we're not, 
if we let our guard down, if we leave ourselves vulnerable to our enemies, are we just going to think, you know, oh, we're being nice to them, we're giving them a, you know, apologizing for all the horrible things that President Bush did during his years. Oh, no, they'll forgive us. You know, they won't attack us. It's our fault. We're the cause of the world's problems. America's to blame. That's how these people think. It's always in blame America first. If it wasn't for this country, I mean, the world's a, wreck, a train wreck as it is, but imagine how much worse it would be if it wasn't for this country. There's been no land, no nation in the history of the world who's done so much in pursuit of liberty and freedom and the hope for peace. No nation. And what do we do every time we go to war? We ask for no land from Germany, no land from Japan, no land from Korea. All we ask for is enough land to bury our dead. And America is pretty much unique and alone. In world history, in that aspect, there is no nation as selfless as America. And when we start to drift away from that, when we start to drift towards this appeasement, this sense of comfort, I suppose, this false sense of security, which is what it is, it's a false sense of security. We do ourselves, our country, and the entire world a great disservice. A great disservice. And until we change this mindset, until we get people wake up, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's what it is. And, you know, I, I saw something, I was watching Fox few minutes yesterday. They had some reports on, you shift gears a little bit, uh, but we're focusing on national security in general. But okay. And they had something about, a little report, um, how now compared to eight years ago, the Muslim community in the United States and whatever, and they interview all these Muslims about, you know, all this Islamophobia and how they think a lot of people are different now. There's a different mindset and you know, things are different in the country, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe people wouldn't be Islamophobes, if you want to use that word. Um, you know, this is just the same as when they said the Red Scare was nothing. Well, we knew there were communist agents working in this country, working to undermine this nation. Is it the right thing to do to ignore it and let it, let it let this gather and let it do tremendous damage to this country? and let it lead to loss of American life? It's the weakening of our national security. Are we going to allow, you know? Is that, is that a better choice? Is that the better choice? No, it's not. It's not the better choice. It's not the wiser choice. It's not the more responsible choice. In fact, it's to the contrary. And maybe people wouldn't be afraid of communists and Muslims and groups like that, if they can give us a reason to be afraid of them, maybe 
if you didn't kill more people and oppress more people than any other groups in history, then maybe people wouldn't be afraid of you and be constantly turning their necks around and, and looking behind their backs to see if someone's coming to stab them in the back or coming to come for them. Yeah? Maybe that's the case. <sighs> Just like anyone who believes in communism as a legitimate, legitimate ideology. <laughs> well, there's a couple problems with communism. Probably there's many problems with communism. Don't get me wrong. But there's a couple main problems. One, it denies, it doesn't have any presence, doesn't allow for the presence of the deity. You know, the state is the God. And a society like that isn't what we need. We don't need that. And, and you'll never have just one class. It'll always be the elite ruling class that oppress the vast, um, to borrow a term from their vocabulary, the proletariat. Similarly with Islam, the so-called moderate imams go out there and preach jihad and won't condemn me that because they say it's a part of their religion. You know, that it's acceptable within Islam. Well, why should we have respect for people who have that belief system? Why shouldn't we fear what it stands for? Why shouldn't we fear what people who have these beliefs could do to us? We should be very afraid. Rightfully so. And we should act on that fear. And if we don't, I mean, boy, isn't it? How do you think about it? All history does is repeat itself over and over again. It's cyclical. You think enough people would wake up and be like, wait, haven't we seen all this happen before? Why not do it differently? Why not do what we can to eradicate these sorts of evils, these scourges of our world? Why do we have to appease these people? Why do we have to play nice and pretend like everything's okay even though they want to kill us secretly or oppress us secretly? Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to go through endless years and years of pointless negotiations when they're just laughing behind our laughing behind our backs like the North Koreans do and scanning us for resources which don't even they don't go to people. You know how impoverished North Korean people are? How Kim Jong il is like two, two and a half million of people starve to death? How it keeps hundreds of thousands more in political prison camps? It goes to building up the military. That's why there's one of the largest militaries in the world. It only does mass troops with the intention of one day, and unfortunately it looks like that day is going to be sooner than we'd like, which would be never, but we don't have these weapons. Or have these weapons, and they'll be able to hold the civilized world hostage with them. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. And he'll say with his 
I'm not going to try to do a Korean accent. I don't think I can do it. Um, I'll give it a shot. You know, it'll be like, uh, you try, you try to, oh, that doesn't sound Korean. Okay, scratch that. All right. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. Um, you know, he'll say that you try to, try to stop us. We'll launch one of our nuclear armed missiles at one of your cities. They say he could reach, he could reach Alaska now. What's the style of him taking out Anchorage, killing a quarter of a million people? What's the style of him doing that? He doesn't, he wants no interference. And in fact, probably some Chinese support, which knowing the Chinese and their trustworthy nature, they'll lend some, um, whether it's overtly or uh, covertly, to take over the Free South and oppress the other two-thirds of the Korean people that live in a prosperous, uh, developing, well, industrialized, but rapidly, you know, developing more nation. This guy is nothing but mad and power-hungry. He is insane. He is insane. You know, you wouldn't go to a uh, insane raping killer and be like, you know, I understand you have... Have, you know, you make some good points there. Why don't we make a deal? Now, I'll let you go if you promise not to do it again. And I'll give you all this money, too, so you don't have to worry about anything. How is it any different? Maybe because he has a state behind him. But really, is, is there any other difference? Does anyone think that we can actually reason with these people? If you do, let me know, because I... I I really don't think we can. 347-308-8073 is the number. Um, you know, to me, it's pretty kind of dry. But if you make these sorts of arguments to the radical left, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to be like, oh, you know, I never thought of it like that. You're so right. I'm going to change my point of view and embrace your uh, idea of how we should go about our foreign policy. Wow, that that never came to me before. Now, these people are just so... I don't even know how we can describe them. They're not... I wouldn't call their views idealistic. Certainly not idealistic to me. Just irresponsible and naive. That's really what it is. Uneducated. Well, the people who are educated, technically, you know, book smart, um, just belong to that group of liberal academic elites. You know what they say, those who can do and those who can't teach. So they'll just go and sit there in their comfortable leftist universities and, and lecture and about, or maybe they'll consider themselves foreign policy experts or some sort of national security experts. You know, and, they'll, and they'll say how we need to have further diplomacy and engage more directly and blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> considering these people probably haven't been in an actual meeting that meant anything like that in their lives, probably never had any sort of military or 
intelligence service or anything. And of course, people will be like, well, you know, uh, say to me, AJ, you're such a, uh, you know, if you're so pro-war, and I'm not pro-war. No one, no one in their right mind is pro-war. But if you're insane, like King Jong Il, you're pro-war. But if we have to defend ourselves, then we have to. Um, but anyway, my reason now is who wants to serve this president? I don't respect this man. You know, some people say, well, you know, even if you don't like him, um, because of the office he holds, you have to have some degree of respect and reverence for him. So do I have to, if I went back in time, do I have to go respect and revere um, Chancellor Hitler because he was the leader of the German government? Oh, are you comparing Obama to Hitler? Oh. Um, well, Hitler might have been a sick madman. At least he had some guy owns. Obama doesn't. Oh, how dare I? But no. It, it is a, it's a fair comparison. Because if somebody has the sorts of ideals that we despise, the sorts of policies which are irresponsible, the sorts of policies which are certain to fail, which are certain to not succeed, then why, why can't we just speak out about it? You know, why, why do we have to uh, say that we respect someone like that? You know? I don't. I don't think he's worthy of it. He hasn't shown anything. Like you know, and it, it's, you know, well, AJ, are you incapable of having some respect for a Democrat? You're such a partisan. No. I would have had a degree of respect for uh, Jimmy Carter, even though he was a horrible president and did everything wrong and, like, one thing right. Um, before he started speaking out and saying these things about President Bush, which are completely over the line and kind of completely screwed up, you know, you could respect him as a man, but not necessarily agree with all policies, but I can't respect this guy. I don't think he has any integrity. I don't think he has any idea. Kind of, damn is that. He, he wants to fundamentally change this whole country. And when, it, and when that leads to foreign policy, when that leads to position, that leave this country vulnerable to our enemies, how can we respect that? I believe, and I hope I'm wrong, but I believe we're likely going to see a terrorist attack. You know? Am I supposed to just be quiet and let it, and just not say anything? Well, this guy's irresponsible. Politics leads to what could be devastating, absolutely devastating, and cause the lives of innocent people to be lost? Here's what I think it boils down to with this whole argument. This whole argument. I had a 10 minutes debate uh, with Congressman Paul when he was running for president. This was oh, almost a year and a half ago now. Um, so I asked him, uh, do you think, and we're, well, I don't know exactly what I said, but something along the lines of, do you think that we're being threatened by the 
that these Islamic jihadis, they don't, they're probably have to deal with. And so he spends most of the time arguing with me basically on the fundamental point that our involvement in these in these sorts of in these sorts of affairs, in world affairs, and we were talking about the Middle East specifically, specifically, but you can apply that to the Far East also, I think. And he said that our involvement is why these terrorists want to go after us. You know, if we just mind our own business, and this is what a lot of the liberals think, or the left-leaning libertarian types, that we should just mind our own business and everything will be fine. But when you got people saying accept Sharia law or we're going to kill you. And you have other people saying, accept our right to exist in a communist totalitarian state and threaten our neighbors and torture and kill and starve our own people. No. We can't have this sort of isolationist philosophy. Especially not in a modern world. All right, well, why don't we continue on this topic after the break? Uh, if you're listening, give me a call. Let me know what you think about anything we're discussing so far. If there's any other topics you want to bring up uh, also, that would be fine. 347-308-8073. Okay, for those of you who've listened to for the first time, we have a segment called the Liberal Wisdom Timeout. Yeah, take a few minutes. Let the liberals tell you. Uh, you know, give the liberals a chance to come on here. Tell you why they're right and why I'm wrong. Um, oh, I think we have our great president, Barack Obama, on today. So he'll take a couple minutes and let you know why I'm so wrong, why, why you should agree with his policies. They're very responsible policies, of course. So that's, that should be interesting. We'll be back. We'll continue on this line of thought after the break. So give the call in. If, the call doesn't make any sense. Uh, call in if if you want to comment, once again, 347-308-8073. I'll be happy to take your calls after the break. Okay, this is A.J. Bruno. You're listening to the A.J. Bruno Show. We'll be back after this. Uh, Logan, this is President Barack Obama. Uh, thank you again for having me on the program. Um, I know that you're a big fan of mine, uh, Mr. Bruno. Uh, you know, thank you for your support of hope uh, and for change. You know, because I know we can all agree that uh, things are much better off now than they were the past eight years. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I want to take this uh, this moment, this uh, time, out, to uh, talk a little bit about my foreign policy. You know, I think we're doing a phenomenal job. We're really uh, sticking into the terrorists. Well, I'm sorry, no, not terrorists. Um, I, I apologize for using that offensive word. Uh, please uh, forgive me. I meant nothing by it. Now, anyway, um, look, we're doing a lot to stop these man-caused disasters. Uh, yeah, things are going great. Um, you know, we're going to get out of this quandary now, right? Uh, you know, we're going to deal with Afghanistan. And then we're going to uh, invade Pakistan. And that should go off well. Uh, because, uh, look, I know I've, I've done a phenomenal job so far. And I'm trying to do better. Uh, you know, this whole uh, North Korean issue. I was very clear with the North Koreans. I told them, look, um, I'm asking you very nicely, please do not uh, redevelop uh, your nuclear weapon program. And if you launch that missile, uh, 
I would prefer you don't do. I asked him very nicely. I said, please. Please, Mr. Zhang-Yun. Uh, so let's see if that works. You know, I try. Uh, I tried my pride myself on tough clumsy. Uh, that's just how I roll. Uh, that's the way I'm. Uh, that's why I think I'm one of the, uh, the greatest presidents uh, in history. I'm certainly done a great job in foreign policy so far. Um, look, I think we should have a, a whole conference of our so-called enemies. Uh, we can have uh, Mahmoud and and Fidel and and Hugo and and Kim and uh, and all those guys. Uh, maybe Osama too. Why don't we invite them over? We'll have a big banquet in the White House. It should be fun. You know, when you get a group like that together, it's pretty unpredictable to see uh, how crazy uh, the night can be. I think we can get a lot accomplished. Yeah, we should just negotiate uh, with our so-called enemies. And, you know, look, I, I think these tactics will uh, work a lot better than the failed policies of George Bush. You know, um, so finally closing Gitmo. That's another accomplishment as well. And, all right, well, thank you. I think it's uh, pretty clear that my foreign policy has been a resounding success so far. And, look, uh, Americans voted for hope, and they voted for change. And uh, I think you can see that now. And uh, you know, thank you for your support. Um, and, you know, uh, and, you know, cheers to uh, uh, many more successes that we've had so far. It's been a great two months, and, uh, you know, here's to 46 more. All right. Uh, well, thank you. I'm going to go now. And uh, look, you can get back and talk to my good friend, uh, Mr. Bruno, who I know agrees with me on virtually everything. Thank you. Okay, uh, thank you for that, Mr. President. That was enlightening. Um, <clears throat> wow, I'm, I'm so sorry. You are such a, such a foreign policy hawk. I, I'm so wrong on this. So, wow. Um, I think it's a great idea too. The, the whole the whole idea to have, have all these guys over for a big party. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to have Kim over. He's a wild guy. A Mahmoud, you know, Hugo. If you mix that up. Frank Fidel. Uh, maybe his brother Raul will come in. It'd be a crazy rocking time. I'll tell you what, the White House would be whew, off the hook then. All right, cool. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, let's see. All right, let's, let's continue the line of thought we left off at. Once again, 347-308-8073 if you want to talk, uh, whether you agree with me or not. And if you don't agree with me especially, tell me why. Don't just just sit there fuming. Um, very few liberals have had the courage to take me on, so I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm, let me know, you know, because I know I'm just so crazy right winger. Shame on me. Okay. Anyway, um, <clears throat> look, we can't have this whole idea. This whole idea. This whole philosophy of isolationism. Perhaps it might have worked for us in other times. Um, not now. Maybe when America was in its infancy and, you know, fragile, we didn't want to, you know, infuriate any major powers. But really, in a modern world, we have to have a an aggressive international type foreign policy. 
Our security depends on it. Future of a free world depends on it. And if we don't, if we, in fact, if we go towards these, this idea, well, look, there's two, there's a couple dangerous extremities. We don't want to go towards either of them. On the one hand, you've got isolationism, you know, where people think America can be an island. Let the world around us fall apart, but America's still there. In the long run, that's not going to work. You know, and it'll be the expense of billions of people suffering. That's really not what America's about. It's really what we've never been about. However, on the other hand, it's dangerous if internationalism leads us to I'll call it the United Nations mentality. And that's not something we want either. Because we have no respect for the values that our country is based on. You know? It, that's that's like this whole this whole law of the sea treaty, which for some reason there's a lot of us support. Um, where you basically surrender the sovereignty of almost the entire world's oceans to UN authority. Well, considering that in a in a but what we should do, US UN out of the US, US out of the UN. The UN has just taken up a valuable piece of real estate in Manhattan. That's all it's doing. And then there's recently, I don't know if anyone heard about this recently, um I think this was as of like last month or something. Um, they're having a multi-billion-dollar renovation of their headquarters. Gee, I wonder who finances the vast majority of that cost. Uh, maybe we do, and why? Why? So they can have their they can have their uh, anti-American policies, their their uh, anti-Semitic policies. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Why do we put up with that? And so this is another dangerous extremity because. A lot of people are afraid, afraid of internationalization for the, well, for the reason that, and, and, and it's a well-founded reason, don't get me wrong, that it will be in the image of these foreign, grossly misguided diplomats and the like um, at the United Nations. You know, where we have no respect for for human life, where we have no respect for any sort of uh, Judeo-Christian value, where we have no respect for being vigilant against our enemies, um, where we go towards the root of socialism and and complete government dominance over public life financial matters, things like that. We can't have that either. So what we need to do is stay this middle path of aggressive foreign policy and aggressively destroying evil in this world. But at the same time that we do that, we need to 
have is sort of their national system. But we need to bring over people to our side. And there are countries with our sort of philosophy, but, you know, I'd rather have a handful of close allies who we really know are friends in the world, who we really know have the same sorts of principles that we have, than be buddy-buddy with the entire world, a world which has no respect for these values and which thinks, you know, America needs to change. Join in a party. You know, what does this party entail? Does it entail uh, being a bunch of sellouts like most of the countries in Europe are? And becoming dying, socialist, appealing, valueless states? That's what it means, but no thanks. I'll pass. I hope America will pass on that too. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm an idealist, but it's not so bad. Because we don't strive for these ideals. We don't strive for a better world. A world that respects the principles that made, that, that built the foundations of a civilized world. Those ideals of a, a vigilant foreign policy, of some economic liberty and freedom, and freedom from government control. You know, of the Judeo-Christian principles that made our, our civilization so great to along with. If we ignore that, where are we going? You know, where are we going? I think we're just going down a bottomless pit. But instead, why not get people to wake up? Say, hey, something's not going right. Let's change it. Let's change it for the better. If there's evil out there, if there's a sinister regime, causing trouble, leading to massive suffering, why do we have to negotiate with them endlessly at the expense of others? And at our expense, ultimately, in every way. Why don't we stand up and say, this is wrong? And we're not going to let it stand. And we're going to do something about it. It should not be that hard of a thing to do. And oftentimes it is. And yeah, I wonder why. Why? I mean, does anyone ever ask themselves? Why does the, the world doesn't have to be this way? Because we have the power to change it. And America has the power to change it. And the free world has the power to change it. So what are we doing? Let's 
It's a work. There's a lot of work to be done. And I think it's our responsibility to do it. It's all our responsibility. And at the same time, there's those who wish to do things which are going to keep putting us further and deeper and deeper into this pit. Do we really want that? Because imagine, if things keep going the way they are, where are we going to be in, in 20 years, in 50 years, in 100 years? Anywhere positive? You know, I've heard it said before that some people seem to think, you know, why is there still so much organized religion in the world? You know, isn't that a little bit outdated? Isn't it um, just a way to enslave people's minds and uh, oppress them and whatnot? And these sorts of people would love to see a an atheistic human rights. And when we have those sorts of lack of values, that sort of lack of a foundation, we completely ignore why we're here, then, you know, what good can come of that? I don't think any good can come of that. to keep leading us into a greater and greater downward spiral. But really, nothing, nothing good to come of That's why I think it's so important. You know, oftentimes, change gears a little bit here, but let me know what you think about anything, too. 347 is the number. You know, oftentimes people say, you know, why do you have to be so vocal when you think something's wrong? Why can't you keep it to yourself? Why do you push your beliefs? You know, I say, well, that's the right thing to do. What kind of, you know, what kind of people are we? If we see something that's wrong in the world, and we're just quiet about it. Yep, we don't say anything. We just let it be and let it get worse and let, it, and let the problem linger and get aggravated more and more. You know? Some people have this mentality. And I can't fathom embracing. Why would anybody want to embrace a certain empowerment? Seems quite pessimistic to me. Seems just downright wrong. And to me, that's. Yeah. I mean, there were. There was an age. There were plenty of ages for a long time where people weren't afraid to stand up. I'm going to use a crusade as an example. Oh, how dare I use the crusades? Oh, don't, don't you know, Mr. Bruno, that, that both sides were wrong and that crusade is just as bad as a jihad? 
No. They might try and teach that in these corrupt liberal textbooks that they use in public schools these days. Uh, but it's not true. On the contrary, actually. And... All right, I'm sorry. I'll say try to talk for a minute. Okay, so basically, let's use this as an example. For centuries on end, the Muslims, one of their jihads, murdered, raped, pillaged, much in the image of, of Muhammad. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he's a prophet. He's a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so conquered Christian lands, think God knows what. And finally, you know, some people realize, hey, are we going to let ourselves be picked on by a schoolyard bully? Which is what they are. This, I'm sure they didn't say that, but that's a general idea. Or are we going to do something about it? You know? Because, for instance, from the Bible, not teach preach uh, peace when all of Christendom is threatened. Do you just let it be destroyed before your eyes? Or do you do something about it? Do you fight for it? And that's, what we get. that's the way we have to think in the modern world, too. You now, do we love the foundations of Western civilization are not to fight for it. Do we? Or do we just let it be destroyed? Do we just sit back and observe the carnage of the Is that right? You know, is it right that we just let things take their course, so to speak, and watch everything we believe in be destroyed before our eyes? I think it's wrong. I think it is a great evil. It is a great evil to allow evil to reign, to allow it to go unchecked. And if we think that things will just correct themselves on their own, no, we can't think like that. If we don't stand up and take whatever actions are necessary. Like in Iraq or in Afghanistan. I think people oh um, anyway, how how dare I put them both in in the same breath, because as you, as you know, you know, well, the Taliban and 
planted in Harbor, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, you know. There were no WDs in Iraq, and we were totally unjustified doing that. And, you know, uh, President Bush should have been impeached for that. And he was so horrible. And, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. That's what the liberal side but, um, you know, I, I think people are forgetting what it was like after 9-11. People are forgetting. You know? That image of the Twin Towers falling is forever branded in my mind. I think about it all the time. And I think when you get enough people, and we're, we're in that situation now. That's that's why the election went away. When enough people get complacent, and forget about what that day meant. Forget about what that image meant. What the lives lost meant. Well, that's not good. But we've run into a, an outdated mentality that led to our problems in the first place. You know, we went into Afghanistan. We got most of the people who were responsible for this. And you know, everyone was behind that. That Iraq for a while. Also. But then and now now it's it's accepted wisdom that um you know, and I'll put that in quotation accepted wisdom, quote, quote, that there were no WMDs in Iraq and, you know, it had nothing to do with with the war on terror and there was no al-Qaeda so we went there and blah, blah, blah. Well, once again, there were WMDs in Iraq. We found the evidence that they were there. Yeah, we did. But people will just prefer to say that they had. Just because you don't find the actual thing doesn't mean it. You know? If you know someone's a mass murderer, to use this analogy again, but you don't find the gun he did it with, but you know he did it, and you find some of the bullets. Yeah? Well, let's say you find his gloves that he uses to not leave any fingerprints on. It's the same sort of thing. If it happened, it happened. That's really all there is to it. Yeah? It's really, really interesting. But similarly, We have this whole, you know, people are just, I mean, how, how many, what are there, 4,000 and change Americans have died in Iraq, which is, of course, a tragedy, but the payment of Vietnam is nothing. And, you know, compare that to the lives that have been saved 
and the good that has been done. I think clearly one is better than the other. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. Always. And apparently a lot of people don't think that anymore. Them, like President Hussein, like to believe that we shouldn't have done anything. We shouldn't have went into Iraq. It was a mistake from the start. You know? We shouldn't have done it. Our bad. Bad thing to do. But ignoring the fact that some uh, tens of millions of people are liberated, ignoring the fact that he did violate 17 UN resolutions over the course of 12 years, ignoring all this. In fact, that it's kind of reminiscent of Kim Jong-il, of course. <laughs> I would say Kim Jong-il was even worse than Kim Jong-il. We shouldn't have stopped there. We should have went after him, too. You know? Comparing all this stuff. Doing something. It's there. Than doing nothing. And I, I think, I really think that's the bottom line. All right. Um, we'll stick around. In a couple minutes, we'll have another another break. Um, I'm going to play a little Beavis and Butthead uh, clip I made relating to Barack Obama. So let me know what you think about that. Uh, is it good enough? Uh, before we do that, though, for anyone out there listening, um, let me talk about something a little bit unrelated. Shift gears a little bit here. That's <sighs> bothers me. All right, why is it that a lot of these isn't entirely political? Let's put it all sense. A lot of these crappy shows get watched by people and stay on year after year. But all the good shows get axed and enough people don't watch it. You know, maybe people should stop watching some mindless liberal propaganda um, reality crap on, uh, you know, on reality, crappy reality television network. I'm sorry, MTV. Uh, I always think it's crappy reality television. I wonder why. Maybe they should rename themselves that. You know, why do people watch stuff like that instead of good shows? That's, well, I wish people would watch Life on Mars, for instance, which has been canceled and there's only one episode left. I think that's a good show. It doesn't really have to do with politics, but um, in the sense that it makes you think it does. Because you think that smart people would watch shows that make them think. Like, well, this is a little bit different because it's a successful show, but 24, for instance, makes you think. And it's entertaining in a good way. You know? Although I'd love to see Barack Obama guest star on that. Uh, maybe Jack Bauer could torture him. That'd be nice. Hello, <laughs> uh, Mr. Bauer. Uh, we'll see, too, that you are trying for Bill Cross. Uh, and that you're going to uh, 
World War II, no, you should lose him as well. Uh, yeah. That would be, that would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, how dare you say that you want a fictional character to torture the president? Oh, shame on you. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, um, you know, I don't, I don't get that. Does anybody get that? So if you want to talk about that after the break or the whole foreign policy thing we've been discussing, uh, or anything else we're going to discuss in the next hour, fine by me, fine by me. Let me know what's on your mind. 347-308-8073 is the number. So give me a call. Believe me, I love to hear myself talk, and I love to hear the listeners talk too. Uh, it's only so many words one man can say. <laughs> but there's plenty to say. Always plenty to say. All right. Um, why don't we go take this break now? We'll be back in just a couple of minutes, so stay tuned. I try to make the commercials funny, so you know, keep listening. All right. Uh, once again, what's What's the number, uh, Mr. Levin? Do you, do you know the number? It's me, Dr. Mark Levin, telling you to keep listening to my good friend, AJ Bruno Show. You can call in at 347-308-8073. Now stay tuned, you big dope. Thank you for that, Mr. Levin. Okay, we'll take our break now. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. So keep listening, and we'll be back after this. Thanks. Hey, buddy. How about that uh, Barack Hussein Obama guy? His middle name is Hussein. Uh, that's pretty crazy, Beavis. But isn't your name like, uh, Nutsucker or something? That's not funny. Shut up, Dad. That's your mom's name. Oh, anyway, Beavis. Uh, what about this guy? What's his problem? <laughs> I think he likes it. What are you trying trying to say? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> well, sounds uh, <laughs> like he's a he's a terrorist. <laughs> a terrorist of, <laughs> of 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 no nads. <laughs> Get it, guys? Because he's having nads. No one has as much naz as your mother does, Beavis. <coughs> Shut up, I had. It's not funny. Your mother's much worse. Oh, yeah, but doesn't he lack uh, uh, these terrorists or something? Uh, uh, I heard he's friends with this mock, this uh, mock boot guy, Beavis. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> maybe. Maybe he and Mac Booter like gay lovers or something. They show those crappy videos we watch all the time. I don't think they'd even be good enough for that, but maybe for your mother, Beavis. Shut up, buddy. That's not funny. His middle name might be Hussein, but yours is a faggot. Speak for yourself, Beavis. I, I think that might be your middle name. If you don't shut up, I'm going to throw you in that trash like that, that guy who think is really cool. 
okay, whatever, whatever you say. But I, I still say that you, uh, you're uh, gayer than this uh, Barack Obama guy and Barney Frank uh, put together. <coughs> hey, Barney, Barney, Barney Frank's got nothing on you. <coughs> You know, if he's gay, then you know, I have a word to describe you. <laughs> all right, bye. Head. I think we got better things to do. <laughs> Say bye. Oh, all right. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm still laughing about that. Oh, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh. We're back from the commercial break. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Um, trying to mix things up a little bit. Uh, see what's what. All right. Once again, if you want to call in, give your commentary. 347-308-8073. The number, as always. Okay, so moving on a little bit. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about um, all right, those are the tough topics of the stuff, but basically it seems like in this modern world Um, there's a lot of phonies within the conservative movement. And oh, sorry, okay, it, it seems like there's a trying to figure out, sorry. There's a big ideal ideological battle, excuse me, um, between the more traditional Reagan-esque conservatives and these sort of uh, new school rhinos, so to speak. Uh, And I think it's tremendously important that we do something about these people because okay, it infuriates me when you have conservatives, many conservatives, quote-unquote conservatives who go out there and claim they're something they're not when their points of view or their actions Speak otherwise. And I think you have that a lot these days, particularly among a lot of younger people. And this is dangerous. Because conservatism is a three legged stool. You need all three for its stand. You've got to have 
traditional values and social conservatism, you've got to have strong foreign policy. You've got to have fiscal conservatism, uh, the government, that sort of thing. And when you've got people who don't embrace all of this, it doesn't fly. Or when you got people who say, oh, yes, I, this really, this really gets me. When there's people who say, oh, I'm a conservative, but um, meanwhile they go out there and behave in ways which are worse than most liberals. Now, how are we going to be a movement based upon values when there's a heck of a lot of people out there who just don't have these values and who refuse to embrace them? Uh, I mean, let me try it. I have a lot of experience this myself. Because people don't like when you point out that they're hypocrites. People don't like when you point out that they're claiming to be something they're not. But I'm just some humanity is true. But this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It's better to be right. It's better to to stand on some principle. Yeah? Then just blend in with the crowd. And and say things you don't believe in and and hide how you really feel. How you believe in how how things should be. That's why I'm that's the reason why I'm an idealist. Yeah? Some people say, well, this is what is. That's that. I say, well, this is what is, but what could it be instead? Well, I mean, it's a question we have to ponder. I think it's important, excuse me, that we do. We do. But the bottom line with this, what I'm talking about now, is allowing ourselves to become corrupted by phonies, allowing these phonies to direct the agenda, not the way to go. I'll give you an example. Um, CPAC, for instance, the Conservative Progression Topics. Uh, maybe at some point it was run by conservatives, but now you got a lot of people who really aren't conservatives. A lot of these milk toast types, these ones who want to silence real conservative voices. And, you know, I mean, for instance, anyone who in their right mind, I wasn't there this year, but anyone who in their right mind thinks that you should go give 
um, George McGovern Award for supporting secret ballots. And he's wrong in everything else. He's been a nuisance for everything else. Completely. Um, instead of awarding some real conservatives, that would be, that's not the case at all. And that's not the right thing to do at all. You know, and have these other people who aren't real conservatives speak of these sorts of things. Well, it's shameful, I think. It's very shameful. But I remember another thing. I won't name names, but um, I remember someone who I will... Now, I'm only saying this because they're not a very nice person. I'm not making fun of them for anything cheap just because they're not very nice. So I remember someone who I refer to as uh, Free Willy uh, introducing Rush Limbaugh, for instance. And you know, they say, um, you know, someone who was, was, my, who, uh, was my Ronald Reagan and blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, okay. You, no, you don't compare Rush Limbaugh to Ronald Reagan. I might agree with a lot of what he says, but honestly, I don't like him as a person. And to compare someone who dedicated you know, a lot of good amount of years to public service to this country, selflessly, to someone who's, who does it for the money, that's not a fair comparison at all. You know, President Reagan was out there fighting for conservative values, fighting for these principles. Not a lot of people can say that they've done what he's done. What he's done. Not a lot of people at all. I'll tell you, there. Every so often, there's a man like me. Well, you just can't, just can't duplicate. You know, there's a handful. There's usually one of these in every generation. You know, people like Reagan or Lincoln or Washington, Churchill. Well, we can go further back and find people. But there are certain... You just can't. Because to me, Ronald Reagan defines what conservatism is. Now, sure. Now, sure. Um, wasn't able to get everything done that he would have liked to. Uh, we'll say one and a half bad Supreme Court justices. One really good one, huh? Um, but National security spot on. Um, the right track for the most part economically. And I suppose what to me the biggest thing was that still have to be accomplished. And really, if the country was different, if he had a Congress that was more receptive and not a liberal Democrat controlled Congress, I think he would have gotten more done with this. Um, you know, the, the life agenda, for instance. You know, he wrote passionately. And I think if there was one thing 
you could go back and change and get done would be to see an end to this, this genocide. Yeah. Um, for instance, I don't know, I guess a lot of people don't know this story, but when he selected H.W. Uh, Bush as his running mate, he had one, one requirement. And told him, you know, will you accept my position on abortion? And he did. That was his one criteria. And I think that goes to speak where his intentions lie, where his, you know. And if you read, if you get a chance, it's about a seven-page article or so, but it's well worth it. It's a brilliantly written article. Um, published, I think, in the Human Life Review uh, in... 83, you have the 10th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. It was called Abortion and the Conscience of the Nation. For some people trying to say, well, it seemed more, you know, Reagan cared more about fiscal and defense and not so much, uh, not so much with, with matters of uh, life and social issues. For anyone who says that, no, just because he wasn't able to get done what he would have liked to get done, doesn't make it his fault. It doesn't mean he, he didn't feel strongly about it. You know, and and if you look at some of the things he said, strong, strong. Some people would choose to drift away from that. That's what a lot of so-called conservatives do these days. in a lot of parts of the world. That's what they do. That's what they're doing in, in the UK, for instance. Where you've got this guy, David Cameron, when he was picked as the Tory leader a few years ago. They know, well, he's this young, you know, very new leader, and it's all fun, then, then, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, at the expense of traditional values, yeah, there's a price to that. And apparently he used to be more gung-ho on those things and drifted away to them, unfortunately. And that's not the way to go either. To abandon important principles like that, vital to conservatism. That's not conservatism. Maybe it's the watered-down European version for a lot of people. That's not what I want. And anyone who loves that, oh, they're not, they're not in the kind of conservative movement that I believe in. Not at all. Not at all. Anyway, if you have any comments on anything we've talked about so far, three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three is the number. Uh, feel free to call in. Let me know what you think. That's the way to do it. Um, 
you know, so we should have different opinions, whether you agree with me, disagree with me, uh, somewhere in between. That's the way to go, I think so. All right. Um, we'll talk for a few more minutes here, then we'll take a, another timeout. As promised, we'll play uh, Chucky Schumer later. Chucky Schmucky Schumer. All right, should be should be good. Um, but yeah, let's get back to this. This is a problem that we see in a lot of places in the world, and, and it's starting to trickle down in America. You've got this greater greater secularism, this greater move towards um, moving away from these traditional values that made our society so great. And people think you can have conservatism without choice things. And they think that you can run away from certain values and be fine. In Canada, for instance, in Canada, I don't know what Prime Minister Hawker's dealing with. I thought he was a good conservative guy. And people in this party want to, want to do something about the abortion thing, put more restriction on it. He's telling them to drop it. He thinks it's unpopular and it'll cost him the ballot box. Well, if that'll cost you the ballot box, one, you've got greater problems in your country. And two, so political power more important than principle. No. It's the other way around. Principle is more important than political power. And if it's not, you've got some serious issues to deal with. Some serious issues. You know, they took the crack of the whole gay marriage thing. Tried once. They said, okay, I give up. That's it. I'm not going to bother with it. That's not the kind of conservative leadership that wins. If you give people a real choice, not this uh, often gray, murky, McCain-Obama type choice we had last year. Although, yes, the choice was clear in certain key areas. There were too many areas where it wasn't. You've got to have a stark difference. You say, this is conservatism. These are our beliefs. We don't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. It's a package deal. And these is, this is what our opponents believe. In appeasement and secularism and socialism. When you give people a clear choice like that, I don't see how they choose anything but the, the right path. And the right path, well, pun intended, I guess. I didn't think of that ten seconds ago, but yeah, pun intended. Because it is the right path. And that's a righteous path. It is. And you know, I think that's how we win on our principle. That's how we win on our, our values. Um, I 
you know, it's it's just it's just you know, I don't even know how to describe this now. Because why some people think that you can pick and choose a philosophy? A philosophy that requires a complete approach. And if it's not a complete approach, then well, you're only screwing over yourself. You're only screwing over everyone else. Really? Yeah. All right. Anyway, if you want to call in 347-308-8073. Anything you want to discuss, fine with me. Uh, so call in. Let me know what you think about whatever. That should should be good. Should be good. Okay there. Um guess we will take a break in a second. Should be good with uh, Chuck oh, I said that already, didn't I? Um with Chuck Schumer for another liberal live in time out. Let me know what you think about that one. We'll be back to talk about a couple more things after the break and um yeah, then we'll move on here. So call up if you'd like. We'll take the call if you want to after the break. This is the AJ Bruno show and I'll be back after this. So well, let's see, do we have a phone on here, I would say. I hope you keep Wow. Okay, we don't have a promo. I don't know what happened to that sound clip. Okay, I guess we'll have to hear that next time. All right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> wow, that sounded weird, didn't it? Hmm. All right. Okay, we'll take a liberal wisdom time out now, another one. Uh, you can never have too much liberal wisdom, I think. You know, it's always just so enlightening to hear them talk. And, you know, it's like the wool has been take it off your eyes and you can finally see again. It really is quite just Ah, yes. The wonders of liberalism never cease to amaze you know. But before I get all teary-eyed talking about it, why don't we take that break? We'll be back in a couple minutes uh, for the last segment of the show, the last half hour. Should be good. So call in, lend your voice, 347-308-8073. I'll be back after this brief timeout. Hey, it's me, Chuck Schumer. Thank you for listening to me uh, today. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to mention uh, during this timeout. Uh, first of all, want to say that you Republicans should be ashamed of yourselves for, uh, you know, President Obama met you halfway on that stimulus bill. 
And what do you do? You slap it away. You're trying to be bipartisan with you, but you can't work with you Republicans, apparently. Now, another thing I uh, would like to mention very much, uh, me being Chuck Schumer, the greatest senator, I, I know you all love me. If you haven't heard yet, I know it's big news. I'm changing my viewpoint on gay marriage. Uh, I I couldn't agree more with with Barney Frank, who I know you you've heard from, uh, or you'll hear from later. Uh, no, it's definitely a, uh, an issue. I was I was wrong, and I always supported gay rights, and now I'm in favor of gay marriage. I think it's a fantastic idea, and we need to have equality for everyone. So I changed my position recently, and now, uh, now all the statewide uh, Democratic officials in in New York all support gay marriage, and this is great. You know, we need to get everyone to to support it. Uh, I think this will be fantastic, and I you know, I couldn't agree more with with Barney Frank calling uh, Justice Scalia a bigot. Um, you know, he really is. You know, some people like to call me Chucky Schmucky Schumer things like that, but it's really, it's really, uh, people like, uh, Scalia, who are, you know, who, who try to, uh, keep equal rights from being passed, and, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy, I'm a, I'm a great champion of these, you know, these, these, these civil rights, uh, you know, I'm sure whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you all, you all probably like me, I, you know, I think I'm a good all-around guy, and, you know, I've never done anything, anything wrong, anything corrupt, I'm, you know, a good senator, a good, a good servant for the people of New York, and, uh, you know, that's just, uh, that's just the way I like it, so thank you for listening to me, I know that I must have convinced you to change your position on gay marriage like I did, you know, I understand we're all misguided at times, uh, so I'm glad that I changed my position, and, uh, I guess if you want to go back and listen to uh, this uh, homophobe, um, then you can uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, by the way, that one's from Barney also, who's a, such a great congressman, another honorable guy. All right, uh, I got to go, so uh, you have fun. I got another dinner with my gay supporters to uh, to go, and maybe, maybe Barney and I will, will have a meal later on. That, that should be fun. All right, great, thanks. Well, thanks for that, Senator Schumer. That's all I see. Uh, this is something we uh, discussed a little bit on the last show. Um, <clears throat> this whole uh, gay marriage business, um, <laughs> if you want to call it that, where he... Well, first of all, who really cares what Chucky Schmucky Schumer thinks anyway? Really, I don't care. I really don't care. Um, it's just annoying, and I have to hear about it. And, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, him and Frank, Bonnie Fettig, sorry, have some nerve. It's, uh, you know, all these people who support this thing, it's another question. Okay, don't they realize where gay marriage is going to lead? 
Why don't we take a call? Uh, I've talked enough. Uh, hello? Yes, caller, you're on the AJ Bruno show. Hello, AJ. You got moving forward on the line. How you doing? Oh, uh, good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I, I think you're struggling out there. I think you're you're trying to get your message out. You're wondering if anyone's listening. Well, I'm listening. I know others are listening. And hey to Tony out there. Um, you know what? This gay marriage thing, um, moms and dads did not raise kids to be gay and marry men and other women. <laughs> they raised them to have grandchildren. And although you'll get the lies about they accept them, what the parents will say if their child's gay is they're really ashamed. And that's what they're going to say. And let's not sugarcoat the issue here. Moms and dads have kids so they can have grandchildren. They do not raise them to be gay. And any one grandparent that, you know, supports them and says, oh, yeah, you know, we accept you, they really mean I'm disappointed. And anyone who wants to, you know, sugarcoat it again, um, you know, they don't want to say bad things about their kids. But you know what? We need a little bit of tough love because it's just as bad as being on drugs. And uh, we cannot accept it because we're not going to promote families and moms and dads who raise kids in this country to be our future if we accept that behavior. And uh, I'm telling it like it is. And anyone who wants to call in uh, or if you want to, you know, tell me that I'm wrong, well, feel free. You're an American. You're entitled um, that's why we live here. But it's my duty to call in. It's my duty to call in and say that America should be about moms and dads raising kids, not a bunch of alternative values and not about a bunch of people who uh, are destroying this country and trying to be accepted by those who don't have those values and, and throwing it in our face and telling us we're terrorists or uh, homophobes. Well, you know, hey, <laughs> They didn't fight in the war in Vietnam. They're not accepted in the military. And uh, you know what? Uh, we, we, we've got to take a stand here because uh, the, rest of the, the rest of the world is laughing at us right now. They expect us to be the moral leaders for economy and republic. And uh, if we accept these alternative values, we're not going to exist as a country much longer. And uh, I, I appreciate you letting me call in uh, as part of my civic duty. Uh, sure, any time. I mean, yeah, it's it's sad. It's, it's you know, this is basically some sort of sickness, and people don't seem to realize. Well, okay, there's two sexes for a reason. If we were supposed to be gay, there would not be two sexes. And this is just they think it's going to end with gay marriage. And these people laugh when you say that it'll lead to polygamy and bestiality and pedophilia and uh, and things like that. Well, that's the route that we're that's a, you know that's a route we're going on. Um, you know, it's it's just crazy. Let me put you uh, hold here. Let me see if this other caller disagrees or not. Uh, thanks for the call. Hang on there. Okay, let's take another call. Uh, hello, you're on the AJ Bruno show. Hey, how are you? Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. I, I uh, can you hear me or am I breaking up? I can hear. Okay. To some extent, I agree with the caller, but but I think what I I, I am beginning beginning to wholeheartedly disagree with is the government talking about anything to do with my kid or my sexuality or lack of sexuality. 
It's none of the government's business, and they shouldn't be in the business of raising children and dealing with sexuality. That's not their job. That's what I object to. You know, I've, I've heard this argument before. A lot of people say, I personally disagree with it, but I don't think it's the government's business to do this. Well, here's, here's how I feel. If our country was founded on certain Judeo-Christian principles, and every state, this is a fact, every state used to have sodomy laws on the books. So clearly at some point, in the not-too-distant past, people thought that this was something that was necessary. Now, whether you could enforce it or not, uh, people felt that the morality in the country was an important aspect. And it seems like this has gone way downhill. This has gone way downhill. And it's done nothing but encourage STD transmission, um, encourage drugs, encourage other evils in the society. You know, once the ball gets rolling, it's hard for it to stop, and it completely unravels our entire culture. I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from, but... But I've been under the belief, the minute you let the government into your bedroom, there goes the country. These people are using these issues as a means to buy votes. The liberals are making this a religious, non-religious argument, and government should be strict of that. It should not be a moral argument on religion, whether you're homosexual or you commit abortion. And that's why we as conservatives keep losing. We're not, we're not appealing to the culture that these people are, are buying their votes for these social programs and these appeals to the gay marriage and the appeals to the immoral that these people that want to kill babies for birth control. I mean, we've allowed ourselves to be set up into a position where we can't win anymore on these topics. So you're, you're thinking that the position of the Republican Party or the conservative movement in general uh, leads to electoral losses. I, I, I would say that a fair majority of the population is relatively conservative on these issues, though. Let me say something, though. You're starting every election with a 28 to 41 point, per, point vote loss. You're losing at least 28% of your population, even in red states. And in, red, in blue states like mine, you're losing 41% of the vote instantly because you won't be engaged in these arguments on the higher moralistic church-type argument. We, we start out with a massive deficit. I mean, you don't play a football game and give the other team six touchdowns and then say, okay, let's play. That's what we're doing. We're not arguing effectively with these people, and we've let them frame the arguments. That's why we're in trouble. That's how Obama got elected. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Obama got elected because, even though I think his arguments were nonsense, the election was based on the economy. If the election was based on social issues, and it was pro-life, pro-marriage, pro-family values against his positions, do you think that the liberal positions on those issues will win over the conservative positions? You're never going to get that argument if you had in the public sector. You've lost, you've lost that argument. That argument no longer appeals to the news stations, nor does it appeal to anybody that can get that message out. You, can't, you, don't have enough, you don't have enough energy to push that message forward anymore. You need to argue on the topics they frame. That's our problem. We, we've fallen into a trap. <laughs> I think the trap is that the media wanted John McCain to be our nominee because he was nowhere near as conservative as some of these other candidates. And if we nominated someone who was willing to be more outspoken on those delicate issues, it would have been a different story. That's the trap I think we fell in. Because if you ask Americans, uh, do you think abortion on demand is fine? Do you think that uh, 
gay marriage is fine. That should be the same as as uh, regular straight marriage. People are not going to agree with the leftist positions on that. Just like if you look at any polls, conservatives outnumber liberals in this country by a significant margin, about three to two or so. Uh, you know, and a lot of these moderates would be right-leaning on some of these issues, too. So I don't see how you can make that argument that we're losing elections based on, based on these social issues. It was, if it wasn't for the economy, I think it would have been a different story. Maury, I, I don't think I can completely agree with if it wasn't for the economy, we would have lost that election. I think no matter what we did, we were going to lose the election. And we didn't have any candidate, not one single candidate, that was actually should have been running for the office of president on the Republican side. Who was, who was a good candidate? Giuliani? Fred Thompson? John McCain? Who did, who did we have to pick from? We had nobody. Any of these are better than the alternatives. I personally supported Brownback originally. I think he would have been a good candidate. We had a whole bunch of them. Um, <laughs> later on, Romney was clearly the best choice. I think he would have abolished Obama in the debates. And actually on paper, if you want to look at it on paper, uh, Tommy Thompson, the former governor of Wisconsin and human Health and Human Services Secretary, was probably the most qualified candidate on both sides, but he didn't get much play either. It's more about personality in a lot of these cases than it is about qualifications, and we saw that with Obama winning. So I, I, I wouldn't say that is necessarily true. We didn't have any good candidates. Um, well, I, I guess let, let me just say this so maybe you understand what I mean. We, we constantly are falling back and framing the argument some moral or religious value. And that turns a lot of people off, and that turns off people that are moderate. I mean, our argument against abortion and stem cell research is actually it's framed incorrectly to appeal to some people, to a lot of people, and that, that's a big issue. When we start talking about how immoral it is or how God wouldn't do this or that or the other thing, that's when you're pushing these moderates over to jump into the liberals' bin. And to me, what needs to happen is, we need to be able to argue like a liberal. If a liberal is going to chastise a conservative and make fun of them, we need to do the same thing to the liberal point of view. So rather than frame abortion as an argument of religion, you frame it as an argument of go ahead and kill your baby. Is that what you want to vote for? This is your form of birth control, killing children? Then let's vote for this guy. I would say it's That's framed religiously. It's... it's it, it can easily be framed scientifically, and I think that's how it usually is in the political uh, sphere. Um, you know, you don't hear too many politicians saying, you know, abortion is wrong because the Bible says so. They say, well, abortion is wrong because life begins at conception. It's a fact. Um, but, but, but everybody argues that that's the, the, the church's position. You can connect that right back to religious positions. And that's why I think we're in so much trouble. If you want to vote, if you want to vote for someone like Chuck Schumer that's talking about gay marriage, you know, you need to point out the only reason he's doing this is for the votes. This guy could care two cents about whether homosexuals marry or not. He just wants your vote. And in getting your vote, he's going to turn this into a Cuba. So you're going to vote for him to get gay marriage and sacrifice the rest of your nation so that we can be socialist, so that you can't have freedoms and cross borders anymore. That's the way we need to argue back. And we're not arguing that way. We're arguing about whether it's moral or not, or whether our kids are raised to be gay or not. And, and that argument just doesn't work with a common person. If it did work, we would always hold the majority, but that's definitely not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah, such a percentage of... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't hear you. 
Uh, finish your thought. I'm sorry. I, I, I just think that there's, there's such a percentage of voters that don't read, that don't, don't know what's going on because they're not being told in ways that they can understand. And they only understand when they hear it from people like Jerry Springer, uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, The View. Until we start putting messages out like that, I think we're in a lot of trouble. There's no way we're going to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. I happen to disagree. Uh, thanks for the call, though. Yep. Keep listening. Take it easy. Okay, uh, we had a couple of different viewpoints there. Thanks, callers, for calling in. Uh, 347-308-8073. We've got a little bit of time left here. Uh, let me touch on what we just heard there. Uh, it's nice to have some different viewpoints. But look, obviously I agree with the, the first caller. Um, to me, that's, that's really what it's about. And I, and I don't think, I don't think that taking traditional viewpoints on, on human life, on, on marriage and, and the whole gay thing, is hurting us at all. And the people who it might, you could say it's hurting us with, probably not going to vote Republican or vote for a conservative candidate anyway, or subscribe to our philosophy. So what are we really losing? You know, and if you sell your soul to gain the world, then what have you really gained? What have you really gained? Uh, in terms of the whole biblical argument, well, yes, I've heard it said. If I remember for the conference, uh, Pepper Staffing Conference in 07, and Rabbi uh, Daniel Latin uh, was speaking as a Orthodox rabbi who was active in conservative causes, causes and whatnot. And, you know, he said that we should just say, you know, abortion is wrong and homosexuality is wrong because the Bible says so. Well, while I think that's true, you've got to pair that with other arguments, too. I, I also think that abortion is wrong because it's murder and the destruction of human life. Murder is murder. Calling a spade a spade. It's all done. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, and not, not homosexuality itself, but homosexual acts are moral. They're unhealthy, um, unnatural. These aren't even religious arguments. These are just matters of fact. You know? Uh, for instance, AIDS, which is a delicate subject, people try and say, um, you know, it's a stereotype that uh, AIDS is a gay disease. Uh, well, by and large, it's a gay disease and it's a black disease. You know, it might not sound great, but it's the truth. In the vast majority of cases, it's the truth. Particularly, in the, um, you know, here. Sorry. And, you know, well, let's lead into this, actually. Well, it's great. And this is something that President Bush said. He was a great supporter of uh, helping with that cause in Africa. That's why he's really popular in the continent. Um, but unless someone got a faulty blood transfusion or was raped or something along those lines, the vast majority of people who do these sorts of things 
really, it's the consequences of your actions. Actions have consequences. Yeah? And the actions that people take are simply not healthy for society. That's why we're in like a downward spiral, spiral now. You know? It's how low are we going to sink in our culture until we wake up and, you know, to borrow a word from President Hussein, change. We're going to change. You know, where's, where's, where's the real hope? Not his political nonsense hope. Where's the real hope? For change to the values that we used to have. I look at um, I look at the 50s, for instance. Largely a pretty moral point. Pretty prosperous, prosperous time. Um, and people, by and large, still cared about these things. You know? And then after that, we've just been going down downhill since then. You know, it's where's our country gone the past half century? It's slowly and surely gotten worse and worse and worse. Not even our country. Where is our society gone? Where have our values gone? You know? I mean, we've reached a point where in the vast majority of the world, it's your right to murder millions and millions of unborn children. You know? It's your right to engage in a natural behaviors which have detrimental health effects to society at large. That's a right. You know, there's a multi-billion dollar uh, pornography industry, which is basically legalized prostitution. And it's your right to do that. To, to, you know, look at the, and the, the public schools. What have happened to that? It's nothing but a liberal, these are liberal indoctrination centers. And they're manipulating a huge swath of younger people and completely putting us on a course that's going to be irreversible if we don't do something about it. You know? There's going to be no role for us to faith in our society. There's going to be no role for us to values if we keep going down this, down this path. And if we don't, if we don't, change course, you know, shift focus. Get our heads back in the game. When what's going to become of... You know, people don't seem to realize, too. Um, but they don't think about it all. Now, why are we here? Isn't there a reason we're here? Now, should we use that for evil or should we use it for good? I say we should use it for good. We should use it to fight evil. Whether it's literal enemies, like we discussed in the first hour, or whether it's enemies which plague our culture and our society. And if we don't do that... And folks, one day it's going to be too late. And any any semblance of of a moral society that we might have once had is just going to dissipate. 
and vanish. Never to be seen again. We're already seeing the trends of that. If we're going to break this trend, it's got to be... It's going to be soon. And look, the last caller seems like more of a libertarian to me. Uh, Because traditional conservatism is to always stand up for these values. And look, look, it's not big government when, when we're talking about big government, that's when you're controlling the people's financial situation, when you're controlling what they can do with their lives, what they can make of it. That's entirely different than controlling people from murdering innocents and controlling people from destroying the fabric of our society. Huge difference. Huge difference. You can have a free and moral country, and then you can have a free and moralist country. I'll take the former. And if it's the latter, count me out. Count me out. All right. Um, I think I hope I explained that uh, pretty well. Um, and look, we've got to we've got to do our best to win people over to our causes. Yeah, and we and we'll never lose when we stand up for what we believe. We run away from what we believe in. We try and sugarcoat it. We try and moderate it. That's when we lose, and, and probably rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because you don't deserve power if you're not willing to stand up for what you believe in. And if we do that, we're not going to lose anything. We're going to win. And our beliefs are going to win. And what is right and just and true is going to triumph. That's the way it is. It's the way this world of politics works. All right. I've got a few minutes left in the show here. Um, All right. For those of you who are listening to the last show, I unfortunately have some bandwidth issues while I'm uh, at my northern northern command post. I guess you would call it that since I'm further north than where I live now. Okay. Anyway. Um... So I don't know, but I don't think that we're going to be doing the show during the week um, at those times we were at before. What we're going to probably do, now stay tuned for this. Keep checking my page. Keep checking the Facebook group and whatnot. Uh, we're going to be on that uh, Patriot Heart Network here. So that should get other people involved too. And, you know, I want all the listeners who have been listening to me. I appreciate it to keep listening to me on there. Uh, I'm going to keep, not sure exactly how it's all going to work yet. Uh, we're going to, so keep this page here uh, that you have. We're going to stay with the show on 5 every Sunday. Yeah, so stay tuned in every Sunday at 5. Tell your friends. We'll definitely be on that slot all the time. Count on that. 
And we'll probably do a Wednesday show uh, 8 to 10 also. So you'll have to hear me twice a week. You don't have to hear me every night. I know. I, I get sick of me too after a while. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that should, should be good. Should be good. Make a few changes or whatever. If you have any input, let me know what you think. Um, be happy to know. You know you can always reach me on my page there on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, that's blogtalkradio.com slash aj Bruno or at the ajrunoshow.tk, and that's A-J-A-Y, the cool way to to, uh, to do it. Uh, all right, so we'll be making some some changes to the show. Should be good changes. We're going to uh, pimp it up, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So I'm just cool like that. I'm so you know, ghetto and all that. <laughs> I try. Okay. Anyway, uh, so it should should be a fun time. We'll get to make fun of the liberals together, and that's always it's always fun to make fun of the liberals. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's great. It is great. It's great. Um, you know. And for those of you who wonder, well, why do you call yourself Doctor Doctor Professor? Although I don't have that incorporated in this, in this show's title, but. Uh, now, if Mark Levin could call himself a doctor, so glad. And you know, I didn't spend six years at evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right, so it's been fun. We're coming up in the last two minutes here. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that show on Wednesday. Uh, stay apprised. Stay apprised uh, of what it's going to be like. I don't know what sort of changing we're making quite yet. I will let you know, uh, sure. And it should be good, should be good. Um, all right, so that will be fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I talk almost two hours straight. Then we get to the last minute or so. We kind of run out of words. You know, only so much to say. Only so much to say. And, but, you know, you never quite run out of things to say about the left. I have a few choice words for them, which I'm not going to say on here, um, because this is a, a family show. But like like Rosie O'Donnell said during her, or Rosie Fat Rosie O'Donuts, for the call for that, said during that stupid uh, the stupid variety show that she uh, a few months ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, was. Um, Funny to fast forward through because it was so stupid and not funny. And you know, if, if people like that, if someone like that can can be successful, then anyone can. Kind of an inspirational story when you when you think about it. You know, if you could be unfunny and untalented and uh, left wing nut job, you can make it too. All right, well it's been fun. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks to the callers. Um, so, hey, keep listening to us next Sunday and on Wednesday. And for Sunday, 5 Eastern, 5 Eastern, uh, that's 5 p.m. Um, not 5 a.m., I wouldn't wake up at <laughs> uh, 5 a.m. ever, if you know me. Uh, we'll be on 8 Eastern on Wednesday, most likely. So stay tuned for that. Any changes that might come along with that should be good. We'll see if there's a new little wisdom time out there, any new segments. So you want to definitely keep on. Let me know what you think of those, too, I I try and be funny, I try. Can't say I always succeed. But, uh, hey, it's always good to get a laugh out of making fun of the liberals, right? 
I think so, too. Okay, anyway, this is A.J. Bruno. Of course, it's been a blast. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. I'm signing off for now. So long.